Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh. It is my favorite time of the year, commencement. The day that our students end one part of their journey and commence the next. This year will mark our first in-person ceremony since the start of the COVID pandemic. I know there will not be a dry eye in the magnificent auditorium theater as our graduates walk across the stage. In this week's episode, we hear from one of our commencement speakers, Yaira Gallegos. Yaira was born in Michoacan, Mexico. She grew up in Chicago in the back of the yards in Brighton Park neighborhoods. In 2019, Yaira transferred to Roosevelt University to pursue her dream of getting her bachelor's in education. She also pursued ESL, bilingual, and middle school math endorsements to support her future classrooms. In this episode, guest host Professor Andy Trees and Yaira talk about her journey to Roosevelt, how obstacles facing dreamers complicated her pursuit of higher education, and how much her support system has made a difference in her journey. Enjoy their conversation. Hello, it's great to be here today with Yahaira, who is going to be a commencement speaker at the upcoming graduation. Before we get into your personal life, I'm just curious, how does one become a commencement speaker? Who I wish I had the answer for that question. I was actually <laughs> surprised myself. I was very honored with the opportunity, but definitely surprised. I assume you've been working on your speech. I have actually been practicing all this week. <laughs> Do you want to give us, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the surprise for people who's coming up, but any teasers about things you're going to go for a uh, good quote you're hoping to drop? What, what are you thinking you're going to, you're going to, your main theme is? So I think I really try to pull from our own experiences. I think we've all had our ups and downs, and that's why I, I try to mention in my speech, I do dive a little bit into one of my own struggles and how that might relate to my peers and my classmates. So definitely looking at those flaws or those struggles or those obstacles as a way that has helped us grow. And, you know, we've achieved it. We're at graduation. So that's definitely the, the outcome, the positive. That sounds great. Well, I will be a commencement and I look forward to hearing your speech. Well, so that's a great segue. We can start talking about your journey to this moment, which is a pretty incredible story, I have to say. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Roosevelt? So I was actually a Roosevelt transfer. I started college at Mockham X and Harold Washington. So I did start at a community college. As I mentioned, you know, as I do mention in uh, my speech, actually, it was a little bit difficult for me to pick a college or university based on some sort of struggle or situation. So it was a little bit of a, of a struggle getting to continue that higher education, right? So I did end up doing community college for those two first years. And then I actually took some time. Again, there was some sort of financial struggle with, you know, just trying to continue my education. 
But one of my employers actually pushed me to keep pursuing my bachelor. And I went back to continue my education. And one of the options was Roosevelt, who, you know, they were kind enough to offer, you know, a good financial aid and a very good program for me to start with. So that's definitely how I ended up at Roosevelt. That's fantastic. You know, I, I have lots of students. I know they it's it's always a financial stretch to go to college and it can be difficult. I'm curious, not that you have to go into your own personal details, but I know a lot of students struggle with this. Any advice for them? I mean, you clearly it's pretty remarkable. You managed, you managed to, you know, come back after that time away and, and finish, which is amazing. What advice do you have for students who might find themselves in a similar situation who are trying to make ends meet and still get their degree? Definitely look for the right support group. I think I had the correct support group in my own family, but also in, you know, friends. And like I said, my employer really pushed me to continue my education. So that's somebody who I would look up to. Even now, you know, I would seek advice from. So definitely finding that support group, because at the end of the day, financial struggle will just be some sort of, you know, smaller obstacle than than anything else. Right. And they will give you techniques, methods anything that will help you, any type of resource, right? In this Mm -hmm. case, my support group, you know, she provided many scholarship opportunities. So if my struggle was financial, she did provide a lot of, you know, resources in terms of financial support and aid and definitely, you know, engaging with that support group. Again, the Roosevelt family, in this case, Ms. Castillo, my counselor really helped me with resources and aid. So definitely finding that support group and that really helped with my financial struggle specifically. I think that's great advice. You know, I think sometimes when you're in these struggles, it can feel like you're alone and and that people don't understand what you're going through. But I think it's all it's actually a really common experience. And I, I think you're right. If you can find the right people to help you manage it, that can make all the difference. So I'm, I, I, I'm glad that worked out. And that's I think that's a great message uh, for you to share. You are now in the final stages of training to be a teacher. Is that correct? I am definitely my last days of student teaching. How's the student teaching going? Who definitely mixed emotions. It has definitely been a roller coaster of a ride. Definitely happy moments, but also moments where I struggle, right? I think no having methods and procedures is one thing, but applying those in real life situations and real life scenarios is completely different. So I might have some of the content and knowledge, but definitely applying those last minute in the moment kind of thing is definitely, you know, more <laughs> more stressful than then, you know, it's it's pictured, right? So definitely, I love it. I'm excited. I love the kids. I've, I've created very strong relationships with some of the kids. So I think that's something that I'll take for the, for the rest of my teaching career. And that'll help me, you know, a lot of the time this student teaching is more so the kids helping me become a better teacher than me pr- providing any sort of content for them, right? So it has definitely been a teaching experience for me more so than, than it has been for the kids. What uh, what led you uh, to get interested in teaching? What What's pulled you in this career direction? I started wanting to do nursing, actually. I did nursing for my associates, or that was the intention. And then I was like, you know what? I like math. So I started accounting and finance. That was not my go-to. I was not passionate about it. I was like, I like numbers, but accounting is definitely not numbers. I was writing ledger accounts and describing, you know, debits and credits. So that was definitely not any numbers. So I started working in early childhood, actually, and I felt that relationship with the kids. I love being around them. And again, it's a relationship. So they learn from me. I learn from them as well. So definitely that two-way bond I had with the kids is what led me to to want to become a teacher. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, any advice for my uh, six-year-old and how I should train him to be better at numbers? I feel like his numbers are one too many. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely visuals. I love manipulatives and kids, they need to be doing something. So I always try and hand them anything they could hold with their hands, anything they could see, I think works out pretty well. Oh, that's great. Do you know uh, where you're going to be teaching or are, do you have a, a position lined up? So I'm actually very excited. I spoke to one of the CPS representatives and they have a early offer program for opportunity schools. And I heard from a school yesterday. So I did accept a early offer position at a school and I'm very excited because it's, it's everything I was looking for. Congratulations. That is really exciting. So tell me a little about it. What, what are the grades and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so my bachelor's is in elementary education, but mm-hmm. I do have two endorsements. I did a math for middle schoolers and then an ESL slash bilingual endorsement. Mm-hmm. So this position this position at a, is at a school that has a dual language program, which is awesome. <laughs> my, I'm very fluent in my Spanish, and I do have that ESL endorsement. And then the position specifically is for sixth grade math. So that's, I'm, again, that's everything I was looking for. <laughs> That's so exciting. Congratulations. That's really, that's fantastic. So you also, uh, you are a Chicago public school graduate yourself. I'm curious, you know, I think uh, we hear uh, most of the stories that appear in the news are negative stories about the Chicago public school system and all the problems, things like that. You're clearly a great success story. I was wondering if you'd tell us a little bit about your experience in going through the Chicago public school system. Yeah, so I started, I mean, I started kindergarten, preschool, actually, preschool at Chavez Multicultural, right? So I think this school being predominantly Hispanic really kind of gave me the safe environment to begin my education. You know, again, it was a culture that was familiar to me. They used a language that was familiar to me. So it wasn't intimidating in that sense. And I think that really helped. So in this case, this school particularly really delivered in that safe and, you know, adequate environment for the for the students they were servicing. And then I moved over to Shields Elementary, actually, in Brighton Park. And again, they had the same resources. So I did have the same resources that I I needed. And, you know, academics were a priority. So I felt like that kept me on track. Again, a safe environment, but also, you know, adding that challenging academics, which is what, what really helped me with that mm-hmm. success story you mentioned. Yeah. And you received an IB diploma, which is a little bit unusual. Uh, how did that end up happening? Tell me, sort of, tell me what that's what what's what's that like doing the IB uh, curriculum? It is definitely hard. <laughs> it is very difficult. So I did that in um, high school. So I went to Thomas Kelly High School, and they do have this international baccalaureate program, which focuses on a universal view of academics. So looking into many cultures, you know, other countries, the world in general, right? It's a universal type of education. Again, very complicated. It adds a lot of philosophy, a lot of you know reasoning and logical thinking, more so than just the regular subject matter. So it, it is a lot more um, engaging too. I know one of their key features too, and something they stress is volunteer work. So definitely, you know, helping the community, helping others, you know, having this philosophical way of thinking. So I did achieve that. It was it was a very small class at the end of the the year. I maybe about 10 or 15 out of, you know, probably 500 600 students. So definitely a challenge but very very engaging and exciting. It was a it was a great journey. Huh, that's fantastic. Now, as part of what you the two, you came to this country from Mexico when you were fairly young. How old were you? So I was 8 months actually when I was it's very young. Over. <laughs> very young. 
had no say in the matter. <laughs> does your does your family still have a lot of ties to Mexico? Do you go back a lot? I mean, do you feel like you sort of have a cross cultural perspective? Yeah, so we don't travel much, but I was able to meet my dad's side of the family. My grandma came recently, mm-hmm. and some of my dad's family is is here, but I do have very limited connection with my mom's family. So I think there's there's pros and cons to it, right? There's that multicultural, you know, connection, but at the same time there's that loss, right? There's that loss of connection with certain family members. But definitely trying to keep the roots, right? We do keep in touch every now and then to, you mm-hmm. know, to keep that love and support as always, but definitely there's that sense of, you know, of longing for, for close relatives. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So bilingual, and I think uh, Thomas Clay, is that predominantly Hispanic, if, if memory serves? Do you feel like you have kind of a foot in, in both cultures in a way that maybe helps now that you're a teacher and you deal with students from lots of different backgrounds? Does it give you sort of a different perspective than maybe someone who just grew up here in a you know, more, more kind of traditional community. It definitely helps. It definitely helps. And again, depending on the audience we have, depending on the students we service, right? These students can make a lot more connections and because they have these two languages. So addressing those connections can definitely, you know, increase their knowledge acquisition, which is great in the sense of academics. So that has definitely helped. And again, for some students who may be struggling because of the language barrier, I have that access to them because I have that second language. So it definitely mm-hmm. has helped. That's fantastic. I'm curious. So you're you're going to be a teacher. I'm assuming you've had some inspiring teachers in your own life that have helped you kind of become interested in teaching and 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 you know getting you to that next stage as you move through school and then college. So I'm curious, what what sort of uh, what sort of teachers have made the biggest impact on you and sort of inspired you on this on this journey? Yeah, so I think my the first one that comes to mind was my fifth grade teacher. He was a Hispanic male. So I think that was my first Hispanic teacher, actually, when I transferred over from Chavez over to uh, Shields Elementary. So mm-hmm. he was in, you know, in the course of my, I guess, fifth grade, five years, he was my first uh, Hispanic teacher. So I think that made the greatest impact because, again, he was able to relate to not only myself and my academics, but to my family. So when we had report card pickup, there was not me translating for my parents or there wasn't me, you know, trying to explain to my parents Hmm. any type of homework, right? He could access them. He could communicate with them directly, which again, helped a lot because that removed me from the picture of trying to, you know, catch up my parents on certain things Mm -hmm. that might be a struggle for a child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. And what about your time in post-secondary at uh, Malcolm X or Harold Washington or Roosevelt? So definitely at Roosevelt. I know Malcolm X and Harold Washington, my classes were very short. So mm. that was um, very hard to, to sometimes connect with the teachers, especially because our schedules were all over the place. But definitely at Roosevelt, I've taken a couple of classes with Mr. Cohen. He does a lot of math classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I mentioned to in my interview yesterday with some of the admin at the school, he provided this reasoning for, you know, something that's second nature for us, for teaching math for kids, right? We know that one plus one is one. I mean, one plus one is two. I we were messing with you there for a second. I was today. like, wait, am I off on my arithmetic? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely should not be teaching today. But, you know, things like that that are like second nature to us. And then, um, you know, but how do we explain this to the kids? Why is this 
this instead of just telling them like give them some sort of reasoning for it because they're they're curious kids are curious so they're gonna be like but why but why this but why that so definitely Mr. Cohen you know answered a lot of those questions that I never would have thought of in my teaching you know until that point and uh, Dr. McKinney too she did a lot of my ESL bilingual courses so definitely she provided you know the right tools she gave the right resources the right methods you know she she provided a lot of info that I definitely will need in the future for for any English language learners or bilingual learners that I might have in the future. Hmm. That's fantastic. And as you are getting ready to launch on your teaching career, what sort of teacher are you hoping to be? Like if your students, uh, you know, talk about you, what, what are you hoping they'll say? What dis- what's going to distinguish you? What, are you? what are you hoping to do as your personal style? <sighs> I Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> I definitely want that balance between, oh, you know, Miss Yehide is cool, but, you know, I kind of do have to do her homework kind of thing. <laughs> but that's definitely a really hard balance from what I've learned during the, my field experience and student teaching, right? We do want to be empathetic with the students. They do have a life outside of school. They are going through their own struggles as kids, trying to find themselves, their identity, and also trying to struggle with academics. So I definitely do want to be empathetic but I also don't want them to be a barrier for their learning, right? So I do want to be a a cool teacher, but definitely a firm one. You know, I do want to have high expectations for them. You know, it's funny. I feel like having taught at different, you know, grade levels, it shifts when you teach younger students. And I've taught as young as a freshman in high school. You have to be really strict at the start, right? Because they're ready to like run wild. So you have to like have the tough persona for the first month or two. But as they get, as you get old, you know, teach older students, it shifts and they actually are much more likely to kind of be reticent and not really want to open up too much or reveal too much about themselves. And so, you know, teaching, if I teach college, you know, now teach college classes or graduate classes or whatever, it's the opposite, right? It's really about trying to create a much more relaxed atmosphere. And I think that might be like the spectrum. We can compare notes after you have a couple more years on your belt and see it. You can tell me if I'm totally off or if that, or if that's true for you too. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm going to force you. This is cruel, but I'm going to force you to do the big reveal because some people won't be a commencement to hear your speech. We'll have to come up with two podcasts, like the uh, the one with the you know spoiler alert and the one you know with with all this cut out. But could you tell us a little bit more about what you're going to talk about at commencement with your own personal experience? I'm I'm quite curious about that. Right. So I start off by you know having everybody in the room think about their pitfalls, right, in their academic journey in their, you know, Roosevelt journey. So like I said, in my speech, right, we're always told to kind of ignore those or put those to the side, you know, put those pitfalls to the side, right? Ignore them, don't look back at them. You know, but I want to take this time for for students and even, you know, friends and family and faculty, you know, the staff to kind of look at those pitfalls, right? Because in those, we know, we become proud of ourselves, right? In those, we see our success, we see our journey, right? And the harder the struggle sometimes, the better we feel at the end of the day, right? Because we overcame those struggles, right? So I do kind of want the audience to look at those pitfalls, think about those. I do mention a couple of mine, right? But I do really go into my story as a dreamer, right? As having those financial struggles, you know, Mm -hmm. going through that, you know, double thinking that, higher education, you know, I didn't realize it was going to be that hard for me to even get into college. Mm -hmm. So I do dive into my own personal struggle, right? But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's not going to stop me, right? That financial, you know, that immigration status won't stop me, right? So I do want to continue my education, not only for myself, right? I think at this point, 
because, you know, I was brought over to the U.S. at such a young age, right, there was a reason for that, right? So not only do I want to do it for myself, you know, but I have a big support group behind me that would make, you know, that would benefit from it too, right? My family would benefit from me. My culture would benefit of me, you know, striving for the better. So I do dive into that. Like I said, pitfalls, my pitfall would be, you know, that immigration status, that financial, you know, struggle. But at the end of the day, looking at those, like I said, overcoming those is, you know, what has made me prouder. And just looking at those every day. And I do mention my teacher method, right, that I've kind of used a lot, right, my rose and thorn. You know, look at that rose and thorn at the end of the day, right? And instead of just, you know, being proud of the, of the rose, you know, looking at that thorn to kind of, you know, grow and be better. So that's definitely what I want everybody in the room to, you know, be proud of themselves, but also, you know, have that mentality to just keep overcoming and keep growing. I think that sounds uh, very inspiring. I think that sounds really wonderful. Uh, I'm curious, are you the first in your family to go to college to get, to get a higher education beyond secondary? I am. Yes. First generation. Very proud of it. Congratulations. So I'm curious, I'm sure there are particular challenges in addition to the ones you've already mentioned that you face. Can you talk a little about, because I know a lot of Roosevelt students are in that situation, uh, sort of advice for them in terms of of handling that? Because I know it can be a lot, especially when you first sort of arrive and, and suddenly there are all these expectations about how you're supposed to organize your life. Right. So again, that uh, support group is definitely important. I chose, I I think I chose the right friends, <laughs> definitely chose the right adults to hang out with, right? So like I said, a lot of the teachers, you know, I would email, I would talk to, my counselor was always there for to answer questions, you know, my program director was always there to answer questions, and my classmates, my peers, right? They have busy lives too, I have a busy life too, but we were always there for each other, you know, we'd be texting each other at 10, 11, 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, trying to finish something together, right? So you know, there's always those connections. So seeking the right people to kind of hang out with and definitely those resources too. You know, not a lot of people are people, people. (laughs) So not a lot of people want to have those connections. But in that case, just, you know, striving to, to better ourselves to self reflect on our our decisions, right? If you don't want to go up to somebody and maybe ask a question or, you know, make that connection, then, you know, look for those resources yourself. I think that's really great advice, you know, reaching out and communicating, building that support network. I think, you know, regardless where you're, you know, first in your family to go to college or, you know, it's something your family's been doing for a long time. I think that really makes a huge, huge difference. And how about, so how about advice on sort of handling the academic load? Because I know it, you know, it's a big shift from high school to college where suddenly you don't necessarily have the teachers checking in all the time to make sure you're finishing things and keeping up with your work. Like how, how did you manage that? And what advice would you give to other students when they're starting college? Yeah. So definitely setting those expectations for oneself. I'm not going to lie. I did procrastinate on a lot of my assignments. I think everybody has a different way of, yeah, everybody, and everybody has a different way of learning, right? Sometimes procrastinating works better for some of us, right? We think better when we're under pressure. But that doesn't mean everything should be left for last minute, right? It's not always quality work. So definitely, you know, having that calendar, I was told I tried it once. It didn't work out for me. I tried it twice. didn't work out. But I attempted it another time. And, you know, it it does work. So having that calendar, having those notes, having those reminders, because, again, the workload is going to be intense and it's going to be diverse because we're going to have different classes. So keeping those, you know, that agenda, those calendar, those notes, that planner will definitely help, you know, keep everything on track. And again, 
you know, having those connections with other classmates and students. So in every class I went to, you know, I had at least two people's phone number, at least, you know, I had Mm -hmm. more, but at least two people's phone number. I had my professor's email, right? So I could, you know, reach out at any moment. So that definitely, those were, those are my recommendations, a planner and connections. Can you talk to my uh, 13-year-old about the uh, planner? We've been pushing this many times. He always says, he tries like, oh, this is no good. This doesn't work for me. His current method is uh, as yellow post-it notes, which are like all over the wall. It looks like, you know, the whole wall is about to take flight like a, you know, bunch of butterflies. And uh, yeah, we haven't been very successful with that so far. <laughs> it's a try and try again. I tried it various times. Didn't work the first times, but it'll definitely come in handy in the future. Well, so you, you've got... A job lined up. Congratulations. That's amazing. Obviously, there'll be a lot of work getting ready over the summer for your classes. But what are you planning to do to celebrate and uh, have some fun and relax after all this hard work? Well, definitely try and spend as much time with my family. You know, those are the people that have been my my closest support group in this whole, you know, this whole journey. Those they're the ones that have been there. Even my my younger sisters, some of them would stay, you know, up late nights with me. They'd be like, "Well, if you're not sleeping, you know, I'll stay up with you," which is very, very sweet, sweet, you know. <laughs> very very sweet for them to, you know, be younger but at the same time see that struggle and want mm-hmm. to like empathize with me. So definitely, you know, spend some time with my family. Because of my crazy, you know, schedule, sometimes I I was working multiple jobs, I had classes. So mm-hmm. I got to see them very very little. So definitely, you know, after this, I do have time to kind of, you know, go out with them or, you know, spend time with them. And then again, my connections I've made, definitely those connections, just try and the stress is off our shoulders now for now until we actually start our our journey, another journey. Uh But definitely, you know, try and celebrate with them, reminiscing again about those pitfalls, but then our our successes too. Uh, How old are they? Are they approaching college? Are they thinking about going? Are you offering help to them and sort of being the in-house counselor for their education? So one of my sisters is actually a sixth grader, which is funny because the student, (laughs) uh, my student are sixth graders. And I was like, hmm, I would try to see the similarities between her and and my students at school. And then (laughs) my other sister is actually her, a freshman in in college. So she's seen that journey from what she saw for me. Now she's actually Mm -hmm. living it in person. So it's definitely a a roller coaster for for her as well. Oh, that's great. That's very exciting. And I'm sure your parents are incredibly proud of you uh, for what you've accomplished and and how far you've come and the the kind of amazing things you've been doing. I'm sure you'll have some conversation post-graduation with them. What what are you hoping to say to them or have them hope to say to you? What, What are you thinking? I think we're both proud of each other. They've done so much for me. Obviously, like I said, it wasn't my choice to come over, right? But they had a reason for it. And I think that's, that's, you know, something that I'll be grateful to them for, for my entire life, right? My, I got my education here. And I think that's something that nobody will be able to take away from me, right? So I'm proud of them in that sense. They've Mm -hmm. been, you know, supporting me throughout this whole journey as well. Like I said, there's very little time that I have, right? But they empathize with that. They try and understand it, right? Because of my you know, my busy schedule, right? So I do, I'm very proud of them and they do show me and they do tell me that they're very proud of what I'm doing. So it's definitely a, a, you know, a dual kind of relationship in that sense. Well, that is fantastic. I have to say, I think your story is incredibly inspiring. I'm very excited for you. Congratulations on graduating. Congratulations on being selected as commencement speaker. I don't know how that's done either. I suppose I should know how that's done. I'm going to go learn how it's done, but I clearly 
Your classmates have also recognized uh, this incredibly journey you've been on. And I'm very excited to see uh, you go on in your teaching career. I hope you'll you'll come back and tell us about it and tell us about your adventures in the classroom. I think sometimes I think that my friends who have taught middle school, like they have the best stories. Like, you know, they have these kids who are right on the cusp. They're not kids anymore. They're not adults. You get kind of the the wildest and kind of most fun adventures. Not, I mean, sometimes they go sideways. It's not always fun, but, but I think it'll be an amazing experience. And I, I think your, your students will be very lucky to have you as their teacher. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing your commencement speech in a few days. Ooh, I'm excited, nervous, but excited. <laughs> And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening. <laughs>